And welcome to Come Along With Me, a podcast for fans who finished all 10 seasons of Adventure Time and want to journey back through the land of Ooh in an episode-by-episode analysis of Cartoon Network's most mathematical TV show. I am KK the Human. And I'm Laura, also the human. This is Chapter 2.25, Mortal Folly, boarded by Rebecca Sugar and Adam Muto. In this episode of Come Along With Me, we learned that the manifestation of nuclear fallout is no match for liking someone a lot. This podcast contains full spoilers for all of Adventure Time. If you haven't finished the series, turn back now. As Princess Bubblegum leads Finn and Jake through meditation, she has an awful vision of a dark skeletal figure, the Lich. Deciding that her heroes are finally skilled enough to take on this threat, she takes them to the Lich's prison, but not without giving them magical gems to shield their mind from its corrupting influence. Unfortunately, none of them notice the waving snail hitched a ride with them becomes possessed by the lich and frees the dark force from its prison. Unfortunately, none of them notice the waving snail hitched a ride with them. It becomes possessed by the lich and frees the dark force from its prison. If it reaches its well of power, it will kill everything on the planet. Princess Bubblegum launches into action, bestowing Finn with a magical gauntlet, as well as a hand-knit sweater, since it gets real cold in the lich's lair. The three hug, but unfortunately their sweet moment is interrupted by the Ice King, who's come to ask Finn and Jake for their blessing to marry Princess Bubblegum. They all yell at him, and then Finn and Jake set off on their quest. There's no time to lose, but Finn and Jake are continually slowed down by AK badgering them for their blessing. Finally fed up, they attack him and run off. In doing so, Ice King decides he has no choice but to kidnap PB. On the other side of an icy lake, our heroes find the Lich's lair in the ruins of an abandoned subway filled with the zombies of ex-commuters. They find the Lich just before it reaches its well of power. Before they can attack, the Lich seeps into Finn's mind, beckoning him to jump into the nuclear waste. However, the care and liking someone a lot imbued in the sweater fights its influence off. Of course, this is when I.K. shows up with Princess Bubblegum, making the whole fight way more complicated. Finn perseveres, however, and with Jake's help, he's able to tear the Lich's skull apart with the sweater. The group celebrates their triumph, even Ice King, who decides to let Princess Bubblegum go, and immediately drops her into the nuclear pit. Uh Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. Hey, it's our first two-parter. And our first proper finale, in my opinion. Well, even though this is maybe technically not the finale. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's a two-parter, so it both counts as the finale, you know what I mean? I'm, I just mean because in some listings, Heat Signature is the finale of season two. Right, but we all know that this is really the finale. Let's of course. Not, let's not be, be silly. What was your favorite part of the episode? <sighs> um, when the Lich grabs the gauntlet and just cracks it, and throws Finn to the ground. It is such a good villain moment. I think my favorite part is the, like, aren't you cold, Finn? Jump into the well, Finn. It's just, like, that really creepy, unsettling emphasis on Finn's name and just the way all the color drains away. And, I don't know, it's one of the more really effective possession scenes I think I've ever seen in media. 
You are a joke to me, he says. You can say uh, that just... all you like, Lich, but Finn's gonna beat you like five times over, so like, don't even. I just rewatched Gravity Falls, and it's such a Bill, Cypher, and the kids vibe, where like, these little kids should not be able to defeat these paragons of cosmic evil, but <laughs> the power of liking someone a lot, I guess. The power of liking someone a lot. I also really love Finn's inability to say love in this episode. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, it is very cute. Um, and of course the lich is Ron Perlman of Hellboy fame. He's the beast with the 80s Beauty and the Beast. He's in Pacific Rim, his voice is in Fallout, he's in Teen Titans and Tangled. Like, he's what in a lot he of good in, stuff. Really? Yeah, he's, and he's fantastic. I mean, yeah, his voice is really great at selling it. It, it gets the menace across so perfectly. Yeah. The Lich is such a good villain. I mean, it's so nice in this age of, like, everyone is gray and motivated and nuanced. And, like, I'm not saying that's not a good thing to have your villain be nuanced, but it's really nice to have a, just an evil, evil, evil villain. You know, the, the benefit of having somebody who is pure evil and, like, not even the, the old mustache twirling way, but, like, this is a manifestation of evil. Is it's just perfect if you just want something uncomplicated to fight. And yeah. that's sometimes all you need, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think also the, it's an appropriate first big bad for Finn, whose mm. uh, morality is a lot more black and white at this point in the show anyway. I agree. And, listen, it's kind of hard to tease out how much of this is just humans and slash Western culture have certain stock tropes that count as evil versus how much has, did Adventure Time specifically influence Western animation in the last 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really notable that a lot of the most obvious evil villains from the last 10 years in animation kind of take a lot of cues from the Lich. Can you give me some examples? Um, well, off the top of my head, um, I feel like the Beast from Over the Garden Wall takes a lot the of... The Beast! Um, obviously that's a bit of low-hanging fruit because Pat McHale worked on both shows, but I feel like Emperor Bellows from Owl House, I feel like the Nowhere King from Centaur World, they all are taking some really similar cues in design, I just feel. Yeah, that's some good, good references. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think the best way to do this is just sort of take the episode from the top and uh, go through moments we liked, huh? Sure, yeah. Also, before the episode even starts, Hulu calls it This Mortal Folly, and I guess that was the original name of the episode, which is interesting. Yeah, the name is curious to me, right? Because it means, like, the mistake a mortal makes, but also, like, it, it gives the sense, like, a mistake with, with deathly consequences, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I don't know if I love the name, but it has always stuck with me, so it's clearly doing something right. And, I mean, the, the duality of Mortal Folly and Mortal Recoil, I think, is really cool. Also. Agreed, agreed. We'll talk more about the naming, what exactly Mortal Recoil means in the next episode, but I think there's something interesting there. All right, well, it has to be said since we say it every other episode, but Jake meditating hits mm. different. It hits <laughs> After different. together again. He's thinking of a pillow stuffed with spaghetti. And you know, I think that was meant to be a joke because, haha, that's not how you do meditation. But I mean, the thing about meditation is it's honestly a pretty vague and difficult thing to define. I've never read anything, any books of meditation that say you shouldn't think about pillow stuff with spaghetti. <laughs> of course, Finn uh, daydreams of being a hunky hero with one arm. Mm-hmm. This is a... Uh... Not the first time, but maybe the first significant time we see that future for Finn. 
For sure. And I don't know, it's, it, it just really strikes me that even in his daydreams, his ideal for future self has a robo-arm. Yeah. It kind of makes it funny in the sense that he grappled so hard with it when he first lost it, but obviously eventually came around to it, right? Yes, absolutely. Jake is thinking of Lady Riding a Horse, which is... <laughs> and the horse... Oddly private, like... <laughs> I mean... When you put it that way, KK, we don't have to put our brains there, though. That's on you. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I was mostly thinking, oh, the horse is the James Baxter-style horse. (laughs) It looks so round and chubby. I love it. And a a little detail I liked from the meditation scene is, you know, there are candles, as there often are in meditation scenes, but they're on cupcakes. (laughs) Oh, that's really cute. I did not notice that. Uh, I like that, yeah. They say beyond Iceberg Lake lies the ruins of the Lich's power, and Iceberg Lake is actually in business time, and the yep. Gauntlet Dock is still there. The B- Gauntlet Dock is still there. Um, but we're skipping ahead just a little, because I wanted to touch a bit on some linguistic biz of can we go with, and Princess Bubblegum being very solemn and ritualistic, perhaps you are ready to go with. I like the bubble transport up to the prison in the top of the tree. Yes, very uh, Wizard of Oz. Very Wizard of Oz. I can't decide if I love that she kept the lich so close so she can monitor it, or if it, if it's like, that's a really stupid place to be keeping the ancient evil PB. I, I got the impression that's just where Billy put him. He pummeled him into the tree or whatever. Oh, that would be interesting. And th- yeah. Oh, and that's why... The, the amber, because the amber came from the tree. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I never put that together. Okay. Uh, when we're, when they're in the the tree, the lich starts whispering, and I don't think I ever really picked that up, because this is the first time I've listened to the episode with headphones, and, like, I don't know, I think it's so quiet I never heard it before, but it really adds some ambiance to it. Yes. Ugh, the lich is just so scary. It's great. Oh, man, we're never going to stop talking about how cool the lich is. Probably not. No. So those gems that PB gives Finn and Jake, I feel like they should probably have just been wearing them for the entire show. (laughs) You know, uh, we can maybe argue Finn has been wearing it under his clothes at some point, but uh, as we know, Jake is maybe a nudist, so... Maybe. So, I don't know. I think that would have been smart. Hey, KK. Mm. Did you find the snail? (laughs) Oh, what a good, what a good way to incorporate that little quirky thing. It's sort of like almost meta forced meta. Yes. Meta. That's, I guess the word I'm looking for. Like there's been uh, this subtle snail in every single episode. It's never had its attention draw to it. If you're clever or attentive, you've probably noticed it at least a couple of times. And then you've gone, oh, wait, the snail. And you know, you have that big, oh no moment. It's great. And, like, really, PB viewing the Lich was a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because she, mm-hmm. in seeing the Lich in her vision, said about the sequence of events that would free the Lich. Yeah, so it makes you wonder, like, uh, was this a self-fulfilling prophecy by the universe itself? Or was it specifically the Lich doing its Lichy stuff? We know it loves manipulating living beings into their own downfall. Did it, like, specifically send that vision to her knowing that it, if she came up she would probably have some sort of small creature accompanying her that 
it could take advantage of. Yeah, that's a good question. When Finn and Jake first fight the Lich after it escapes, uh, Finn's like, turn into a sword. And Jake's like, uh, okay. And he makes the worst sword I've ever seen him shapeshift into. I mean, Finn says that is a terrible sword, Jake. Just saying. We've seen him do better swords than this in the past. <laughs> uh, I love how good this episode is at immediately establishing stakes. Yeah. If you fail, he will kill everyone. And... Ten years ago, even that was kind of was kind of surprising in its bluntness. It was, you know, oh, he'll destroy the world. We can't actually say the word kill. Kids can't confront mortality. Yeah. Yeah. And the hugs uh, are sweet. It's sweet when they all hug. I like quickly, that. to the other secret room. <laughs> That's a minor dictator watch, I'd say. <laughs> Tiny dictator watch. Shall we talk about Ice King? Wait, first let me talk about Princess Bubblegum's outfit. Because it's weird. It's like a jumpsuit with like almost a cape, but maybe it's a long, ill-fitting cardigan. I don't know. This is a miss for me. For for a lot, I love a lot of her outfits, but this is a miss. I'll be honest, I didn't notice it at all. <laughs> it's funny because sometimes you go, let's talk about what Princess Bubblegum is wearing. I'm like, oh, I am there for it. Fully agree. And other times I'm like, oh, I mean, she was pink. She was wearing pink. I can tell you that. Well, you know me, I'm a... Fashion icon. I'm not. I wear sweatpants 95% of the time. But in fairness, her sweatpant wrecks are very good, and I get most of them from her. (laughs) Okay. All right. Ice King, it's been a while. Hey, bud. Writing your crush's name all over your legs, huh? That's (laughs) awful. He's actually got some nice legs. Is that weird? Yes. That is maybe the weirdest thing you've ever seen, said to me in this podcast. And like three episodes, you were terrified of candy cane skeletons. So, you that know. Where I stand by those being creepy. <laughs> Boy. Um, I just really like the comedy in this episode. It's such a good counterpoint to the horror. But... You know, they played around very briefly in, like, season one with Ice King being an actual threat. But by season, even by season two, they're like, yeah, (laughs) he's just this bumbling buffoon. The most he can do is inconvenience our heroes while they're after an actual serious situation. I mean, he ends up being pretty clutch in the next next episode, though. He wouldn't have had to been clutch if he didn't accidentally drop Princess Bubblegum into the nuclear waste, though. Yeah, that's fair, but... In terms of his threat level. Okay, all right, listen. I know that Ice King is framed as a big fat jerk here. I get it. I mean, he but is the, a jerk. Look what you made me do is so icky to me because it's like a real tactic that like toxic people use. It's not <sighs> my fault that I hit you. You made right. me do it because you, you made me do that. You cooked the wrong meal, or you were late picking me up, or you spoke back to me, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it is super icky, um, but, I mean, Ice King is an icky person at this point. It's not his fault, really. Uh, You know, he's being corrupted by the crown, but, you know, I, I do think it makes his redemption, as it was, all the more fulfilling down the line. Yeah, I suppose so. I understand I why you're 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 squeaked about it though, so that's fair. You just hit it so hard all episode. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> Listen, Ice King has a long road to walk slash float with his beard. 
And I believe in him because I've watched the entire series. So I can't. Uh, the setting of the old subway station is very cool. Oh, I love that creepy old subway station. It's just such a good... I mean, subway stations in current times can already be kind of creepy. Like if you've ever been in one that like half an hour before the last train comes and it's dark and it hasn't been properly maintenance so some of the lights are off you know what I mean yeah definitely um so it just really leans into that and just all these zombies who are attacking Finn and Jake and it's you know they were just they were just people they were just people do skeletons last that long I mean yes under specific conditions i don't know in the case of nuclear holocaust but i also doubly don't know in the case of magical nuclear holocaust finn losing his pack and then jake becoming his pack is very sweet that was cute zooming back a little bit i kind of like the brief relationship friendship finn forms with his gauntlet that's right and that one line where it's like i'm sorry i punched you in the ball of course the eyeball (laughs) obviously obviously but yes, uh, so Finn loses his backpack. Jake immediately turns in- back into it, which is cute. The colors in this episode get really great at this point. Like as they're going into the subway, it's like sunset, that really vibrant red you sometimes get at sunset. And then it all just melts into like unholy greens the deeper they get. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, they really crushed it in this episode, man. It's just all around so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Jake is, says, that's it, I'm going to bark him. <laughs> Because he gets so, so wound up. He just acts like a dog. I love it. I love it. That's great. Um, I do get a lot of genuinely mushy feelings about Finn's sweater. Everyone here who's listened to the podcast before knows I'm not a Finn and Princess Bubblegum shipper. It does nothing for me. Um, But I am super into their friendship and it just means a lot to me. Like, it makes sense that Finn cares for Princess Bubblegum as like, you know, she's such a competent, cool lady in his life. I totally get why he's into her. But Princess Bubblegum, you know, she's so old. She has trouble connecting with people, but she genuinely cares for this little kid. And she poured that love and that care into the sweater and it protects him from this awful evil, you know? And it's also a nice parallel with Marceline, even as as recently as last episode, right? Where it's like these immortal centuries old beings are sort of swayed by this, just this simple little kid who's, you know, loves very freely and openly. And it's really nice. Uh, I don't think it's a typical um, plot point, but it's lovely. No, I, I agree. So that gives me a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings. Uh, which are immediately contrasted by the really gruesome way that Finn loops the sweater through the lich's eye socket, pulls the sweater up, and disintegrates its skull. It is brutal, man. Like, like this show is for children. (laughs) Listen, obviously there's no flesh, so that turns in the squick factor, but if I think about it too hard, uh, it makes me hold my... like my upper face because no things shouldn't yeah. go in the eye sockets no oh, oh, oh. <sighs> and then <laughs> the wonderfully comedic timing <laughs> with ice cream just dropping pb yeah it's like you know what i learned a lot from this i'm gonna let you free princess bubblegum immediately <laughs> drops her beautiful oh love it and we have just enough of a beat at the end of the episode for it to sink in and then just cut to black. 
so yeah, this is a great episode if you guys haven't picked up on it yet. Yeah, truly. And it would be one of the first episodes that I like would suggest if I put up a, you know, definitive list of Adventure Time episodes, I think. Not not the first by any means, but it would be one of the first, these two episodes. It, it really does show off a lot of the best parts of Adventure Time, the really cool art, the awesome contrast between its comedy and its stakes the surprising emotional depth to it. Like, sure, even now it's not as flushed out as it will be in a couple seasons, but this is where we really see it coming to fruition, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of spooky, scary uh, media rec do you have for us today, Laura? Uh, I'm going to recommend the video game series Left 4 Dead. In this case... I'm going to say Left 4 Dead 2 just because it has literally all the levels of Left 4 Dead 1. It is a zombie co-op shooter, quite an old one at this point. I think it came out, depending on which game you're talking about, like 2007, 2008. But because of that, it's pretty cheap on Steam pretty much always. And it's uh, still just a really fun time. Like, don't get me wrong, I'd love if they finally came out with a sequel and gave some quality of life. But specifically, there is a ca- one of the very first campaigns of the game. The characters are trying to get through a city to get to an evac station at a hospital. And they have to go through a subway to try to do that. And just this episode gave me such flashbacks to that campaign where just the creepy unsettlingness of fighting hordes of zombies in subway tunnels and the, the terror that there's something just right outside your, your sight line coming for you. And also Left 4 Dead is very co-op heavy in the sense that you have to rely on your friends. If you try to macho your way through and run ahead of them, you are going to die. And I think that ties in well with like the three themes of friendship and cooperation in this episode. Nice. Well, uh, thank you for joining KK and Laura the Humans on Come Along With Me. Uh, uh, there's still a week or two left to send us your thoughts, uh, questions about season two, or you know what, just in general, if you've ever wanted to ask us anything that you want answered on the podcast right now would be a great time because we're getting ready for our season two wrap up episode. Um, you can email us at adventuretimepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at come along with me where the last E is three and Instagram and Tumblr at adventure time pod. Now, come on. Grab your friends and go to very distant lands. Mm-hmm.